You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast where you can receive the support and training you need to become a highly successful special educator. This profession is not for everyone. It takes a special heart to even want to go into this field, and once you are here, you realize it also takes a whole lot of toughness, resiliency, and dedication. But when you know, you know. If this is your calling and you are in for the long haul, then this is the place to be, and I'm right here by your side helping you learn everything you can about being a great special educator. If you don't know where your strengths and weaknesses lie, let me help you figure it out. I have a fun little quiz I developed to validate your strengths while also helping pinpoint exactly what it is that is holding you back from being the best dang special educator around. Just go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash quiz and answer the questions to find out your superpower and your kryptonite today. That's spedprepacademy.com slash quiz. So on today's show, I have a special guest who, if you hang out on the teacher gram and follow other special educators, I bet you've heard of her. Nicole Morris has her master's degree in special education with graduate certificates in applied behavior analysis and adapted curriculum. She spent six years as a self-contained teacher for students with autism spectrum disorders, and then two years ago transitioned into a position with a behavioral clinic while working to become a board-certified behavior analyst. She has a blog, a podcast, and a Teachers Pay Teacher store all under the name Adaptation Station. Nicole and I sat down and had a chat about all things behavior, from how I can help my staff figure out the function of the behavior, what's important to remember during a breakdown, to suggestions of reinforcers, and so, so much more. It was truly a pleasure to be able to pick her brain, and I know it's going to help you too. So let's hear from Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to say congratulations for reaching a major milestone or goal that you set for yourself this summer. I was watching your stories all summer long, and I was really rooting for you. So would you tell us a little bit about your educational journey and who you are? Absolutely. So I have a master's degree in special education and graduate certificates in applied behavior analysis and adapted curriculum. And I taught in a self-contained classroom for students with autism spectrum disorders, grades three to five for six years. I got my graduate certificate in applied behavior analysis while I was still teaching, but it's a pretty tough exam and I didn't feel like I could pass it. So I just kind of like put it up on the shelf. And then in 2020, um, I had left the classroom and gone to work at a behavioral clinic and I decided to go for it. Uh, it took me 16 months had to take the test twice, but I finally passed the test in July. So I'm now a board certified behavior analyst. Wow, that's awesome. So you are, it sounds like kind of a jack of all trades. And I know when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about, we, you know, we went over a variety of different topics from ABA principles to determining the function of a behavior to IEP bins even. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are just a whole bunch of other topics that you and I could just chat about for hours and hours, but we decided on, and it was purely kind of selfish on my part, but we decided on determining the function of a behavior. And I told you that I was working with a child whose behaviors are quite significant right now, and they can change from 
day to day. They can change from hour to hour. They can change minute to minute. And it's it's very exhausting. But I hope that by helping me that you can also help my listeners who might also be dealing with this kind of situation. So first off, talk to us about what are some of the characteristics of students who are displaying behavior concerns in the classroom? What does it look like? Absolutely. So as we know, there are so many types of behavior. There's positive behavior, there's negative behavior, there's sensory seeking behavior. But when we're looking at uh, if we need to do an intervention, is the behavior interrupting their ability to access their classroom, access their education? Is it putting them in danger? Are they no longer safe? Is it putting other people in danger? If you're answering yes in your head to any of those concerns, that's when we need to start looking at an intervention because we need to make sure that the student and everybody around them is as safe as possible. So that's where you might hear cognitive behavior or problematic behavior. It's that behavior that we need to find another way for them to meet their need because it's just not conducive to what they need. So what is the function of behavior? What does that even mean? You know, for those out there who might not have ever heard those words, and I know that might sound kind of odd being in or working within the field of special education, but truly, if you're working in a resource room or you've never dealt with behavior, you might not have ever heard the words, (laughs) you know, the function of the behavior. And I probably went 20 years teaching never hearing those words. So explain a little bit about what that means. Absolutely. So the biggest thing to start off understanding is all behavior serves a function. Kids don't really come to school with the desire to cause problems. All of their behavior is serving some type of function to them. And the easy acronym that you can remember is SEAT. So S-E-A or T. Usually behavior is going to be meeting one of those four needs. So it might be S. They might be a sensory seeking behavior. So these are your kids that have a lot of sensory concerns. Maybe they've got a lot of wiggles, that kind of thing. Your E is for escape. So it's students who are maybe trying to leave the workspace for some reason. You have A, which is attention. So that's your attention-seeking behavior. And then T is tangible. So maybe they're just trying to get gain access to the iPad, the Lego banner, whatever it is that they want in that moment. So all of your behavior is going to serve one of those four functions. And it's important that you figure out what function it serves so you can design an intervention that still meets that need? Well, I definitely think this little guy is doing some avoidance. He's trying to get out of things, but I I think it's more he's wanting something. And I don't know if it goes back to he gets what he wants at home all the time. And so therefore Mm -hmm. he thinks he should get whatever he wants whenever he wants it. So I guess I put my little guy in that last category. Mm -hmm. And it's important. Like I think a good way to kind of, explain it to a lot of teachers because I I did this myself. I was like, oh, I I know for sure that it's escape because every time I bring the student over to the table and they rip their paper, they're trying to get out of work. And so if I say, oh, it it must be an escape maintained behavior. That's a language that you'll hear. It's an escape maintained behavior. So I'm going to come up with an intervention to help them have choices during work. If the function of the behavior was actually attention-seeking behavior, And every single time they rip the paper, I'm running over to their side to tell them it's going to be okay. Let's have some options. Let's work together. I'm actually teaching them, oh, when I rip my paper, my teacher runs over to me. So that's why it is really important just to take the time to figure out if it is access to tangible or if it is attention. So that way you're not making your own job 
harder. So how do I help my staff figure out why he's doing what he's doing? How do I support them in this? Absolutely. So the first thing that you'll want to do is take data just to really be sure of what's going on. So what we typically look for is ABC data. So that stands for antecedent behavior consequence. And it sounds much more lofty than what it actually is. But what you're really looking at is, so whatever your problematic behavior is. And one thing that's helpful when you're working with a whole team is to get a really clear definition of what you're considering that behavior. Because if you consider the behavior every time the student throws something across the room, but your paraprofessional considers it to be every time they rip up their paper, you guys are looking at two different behaviors, it's going to be hard to get on the same page. So you'll want to make a clear definition of, okay, if we think it is escape maintained behavior, what does that look like? So all staff are looking for those same indicators. Then you want to look at the antecedent, which is what came right before the behavior, and the consequence, which is what came right after the behavior. And I want to give you an example of consequence because I think that trips people up. Consequence isn't necessarily bad. It's just whatever happens right afterwards. And so the example that I'll give is my dog. So every morning when I get my bag and my keys, my dog walks to his treat jar. So the antecedent is I'm getting ready for work and his behavior is going to the treat jar. Whatever I do next is the consequence. If I give him a treat, that's a consequence. If I don't give him a treat, that's a consequence. If I pat him on the head, that's a consequence. I always give him a treat when he walks over to the treat jar. So my consequence maintains that behavior. He has now learned, oh, mom gets her keys. I go to the treat jar. She gives me a treat. So obviously in that scenario, consequence is not negative. That's the best moment of his morning. But your consequence is just whatever happens right after the behavior. Once you start to take that ABC data, you can start to see, oh, every single time a staff member goes and talks to the student, they do it again. Okay, well, maybe us giving him attention is what's maintaining the behavior. Or you could say, oh, every time a staff goes and talks to him, he stops doing it. Okay, well, then maybe that's an effective intervention. So taking that data and just kind of looking at those consequences can help you figure out what's making that behavior occur and give you some ideas of what you can do instead to help decrease that problematic behavior. Makes sense. I like the dog. I like any kind of analogy because you you can talk words all the time, but until you understand mm-hmm. what exactly it means. So that helped me. So you mentioned reinforcers. Um, what types, what different types of reinforcers are there? Absolutely. There are five different types of reinforcers. So we have our edible reinforcers, which aren't used as often in the classroom, but that would be if your student is earning M&M, crackers, things like that. You have activities, so that can be uh, jumping on a trampoline or maybe uh, playing with a Lego set. You can have your tangibles. Uh, A lot of times you see like iPads or technology is a really common tangible that students are uh, receiving in the classroom. It might be social, like uh, attention, uh, praise, conversation, or it could be a sensory item like a weighted blanket or a fidget, something like that. And it's really important when you're choosing a reinforcer to make sure that it is actually reinforcing, which might kind of sound like, of course, but I think I got really stuck in, oh, well, the student likes this. And so another example I like to give is I myself as an adult do not like social situations. I don't like to go to dinner parties. I don't really like to go to weddings, things like that. I do like white wine. So white wine is a preference of mine, but it is not a reinforcer because My husband can't say, hey, I'll give you a bottle of wine if you go to the dinner party, 
I'm still not going to go to the dinner party. It's not worth it to me. So just because it's a preference for the student doesn't mean it's going to work if you're trying to have them overcome something that's really challenging. That's why you'll want to do a reinforcer assessment. If they're able to, give them a lot of choice so that way they can find something that makes them feel like, oh, you know what? I do want this and I do want to work with my teacher to see how I can gain access to it. So what are some important things to remember when teachers and paraprofessionals are in the middle of an outburst? You know, what what should we do and what shouldn't we do? This is a tough one, and I have been there so many times. And what I'm going to tell you is hard, but try as much as you can to reduce language. Because when your student is that escalated, they're not processing what you're saying anyways. And you can probably think of like times where you've been really angry, and maybe you're not hearing your spouse or your mom or whoever it is that you're fighting with, because your mind is just going blank. So you want to make sure that they're safe. That's a, a huge priority. Uh, and make sure not just physically safe, but they feel emotionally safe. So you're close to them. They know that they can reach out to you if they need any type of support. Uh, But we want to really reduce that language, use visuals if possible. And then you really want to give them that space to calm down and cool off. Another really important thing to do is use child-friendly language to talk to them, but you never want to make them feel bad for what happened because Our students, at the end of the day, they feel a little out of control, and a lot of them probably don't want to be in that scenario. And, you know, I see teachers who, you know, come in really hard afterwards because they're frustrated, and it's just adding another level, level of shame and guilt to the student in addition to whatever it is that they were already experiencing. So you want to try and stay neutral. Uh, reduce language and to support them as they cool down. And then once they're cool, see if they can talk to you about why they got so upset so that way you guys can work together to figure out how to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's a really good tip. I I tell my parents that all the time, you know, it's okay if they're crying. We don't have to solve all of their problems for them right then. Just mm-hmm. let them cry it out and, you know, give them the space that they need. So I'm glad that you reiterated that for me or, um, validated that for me so that I know that I'm doing the right thing. So mm-hmm. um, then as as far as those interventions go, what mm-hmm. we're going to try to replace or try to give them replacement behaviors, correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what interventions do you recommend with a child with very significant behaviors? So what we want to look for are called antecedent-based interventions. So that's that in that ABC continuum, that's before the behavior. So we're trying to get in there before the behavior even happens to see if we can give them an alternative. So we talked about four different functions of behavior. I'll talk about a couple of different interventions you could consider for each type. So if we're looking at escape or avoidance, one of the first things I do is look at adjusting the uh, difficulty of the task. So are they escaping the task because we're asking them to to do something that's too difficult for them? Or maybe we're asking them to do math problems and the class has 20 problems on the worksheet, but as a teacher, they only need to do 10 for you to feel confident in their skill. So maybe you can reduce how many problems or give them a choice. So Maybe you say we're doing addition. Do you want to do an addition worksheet or do you want to do a set of addition task cards with a dry erase marker? So that way they feel like they have a little bit more control in that scenario. Uh, You can modify the way that you're giving instructions. So maybe it could be something as simple as a visual. So maybe if it's hard for them to process language, if you just have like a little picture schedule of what it is you're supposed to do, that can help them not feel so overwhelmed in that setting. 
uh, increased predictability. So that's where that structure and routine comes in. So they know every day when they come to the writing table, these three things are going to happen. And so you just want them to feel like they, again, have a little bit more of control so that way you as a teacher can get what you need done, but they don't feel so overwhelmed. So those are some examples for those behaviors where you think they're trying to escape or avoid the task. Now, if it's attention seeking, you want to do something totally different. Yeah, it can't just be easy and just work for everyone, can it? <laughs> right. So with attention seeking behavior, you might want to try and schedule attention. And I know that as a teacher, that is so difficult. But if you can find, you know, a couple minutes in the day where maybe you can sit down with them and talk about whatever it is they want to talk about, then they might not feel like they have to try so hard to get your attention the entire math lesson because they know they're going to have that time to talk to you at the end. Another important thing with attention-seeking behavior is you really don't want to give them attention when they're engaging in it, which again is so hard. But a lot of times if it's attention-seeking behavior, they don't really care if it's positive or negative attention. They just want you to talk to them. So if they're maybe doing something they're not supposed to and you keep telling them you need to stop that, they're getting that attention from you. So that's where you have to try and you have to try and get your staff to really not give any attention to those negative behaviors and just give them attention when they are doing whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, you can also try changing the seating arrangement so the student is in closer proximity to you. And you just want to, again, make sure that they know that they will have an opportunity to get that attention. If they want attention, just taking it out is not going to work. So finding a way to still give them access. If the behavior is to gain access to a tangible, uh, I really love using a token board in this example. So again, they can earn tokens to know they're going to have access to that tangible. Uh, you can also look for a transition item. So this is uh, another kind of like a duel. You might sometimes see a kid that maybe it looks like they're engaging in escape behavior and they're engaging in a, a tangible behavior because maybe they're trying to get out of work and they're trying to gain access to a toy that they want. So maybe giving them a transition toy that's not quite as cool as a thing they want, but giving them that before it's time to come to work can kind of help them move out of the playtime into the work time. So an example might be maybe they love playing Minecraft on the iPad. And so they can't have iPad before your lesson, but maybe they can have time with Legos so they can still build. And that's a little bit easier for you to fade out. And then with sensory reinforcement, I would if you have an occupational therapist at your school or your campus that is involved in sensory issues, they're a great person to go to for this. But you want to see if you can give them access to whatever it, it is that they need in terms of sensory. And that could be, you know, maybe your classroom lights are too bright. And we need to try and dim them. Maybe they need a weighted walk. Maybe they just need a fidget, something that they can squeeze. Uh, but you want to give them an opportunity to get that same sensory input. So that was a lot, I know, but hopefully something in there can kind of get your mind spinning. Yeah, those are some really good, good interventions. And I, having done this for 27 years, I, I'm sure I probably touched on, on all of those, but you forget and you forget some of the mm -hmm. things. You know, it's like having a toolbox. You, you forget what's at the bottom sometimes and you got to pull things out. So it's always nice to hear it come from somebody else and somebody who just does this as their full-time job, because it's mm -hmm. definitely not my full-time job. Yes. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on here and talking with us. And I'm so glad that we finally were able to connect. I know that um, I interviewed um, Ashley. Yes. Are you, you and Ashley are good friends. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I interviewed her oh, several months ago, but I've been wanting to connect with you since then. So I am glad we made it happen. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator, and I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I'm so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the podcast as well. And I'd love it if you'd join us in the private SPED Prep Academy Facebook community. We are a safe space where special educators and related service providers can talk shop. If you liked what you heard today and realized you found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day, and I'll catch you on the next episode.